You think of art. Some of the world's most beautiful art was created to honor Jesus. Last week, we looked at the woman caught in adultery, and we saw at the evil that the religious people had done. They used the woman. They used the woman to, to trap Jesus. They didn't care about her. And we looked at the fact that our bad people, religious bad people, are the worst. And when you go to the National Gallery in London, there you have it. A picture, a painting of the woman caught in adultery. People impacted by Jesus' story, by the Bible, and honoring him with art. Music, some of the most glorious music was written to worship him. Handel's Messiah was written and composed in 24 days. In 24 days. To honor him. And Handel says, it's like the heavens open to me. And he just, to honor Jesus. And he gives you the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Ta-da! You know, it's just fascinating. With, with the songs we sang this morning, all of them were created by people that have been impacted by Jesus. People. 2,000 years later, and after he has been physically removed from the world, people from all walks of life say that they have been saved from drugs, illness, suicide, depression, ho- and, and hopelessness through Jesus, a living Jesus. I have a friends in Iran. Uh, he was in prison for, for, for having home groups. Uh, and he was in prison for seven years in Tehran, in Evan uh, prison. And his, um, his sisters told me the story of how they were converted. But, but, you know, so he shared with them. But at one point, they want to share with their mom. And her mom wanted to excommunicate them. She wanted them out of the house. And the Iman and the Iran, Iranian New Year, um, he opened the Quran. And as he opened the Quran on TV, on live TV, he goes, boom, finger to point what the surah of the year would be. And his finger fell on the name of Jesus. And then the, the, the iman says, this year shall be the year of Jesus. And, um, and the daughters are saying, yes, mom, it's the year of Jesus. It's the year of Jesus. And that, you, they said to her, you've got to believe in Jesus. See, mom, you have to believe in Jesus. And the mom, who is a close friend of ours, she says, What do you mean, believe in Jesus? I am with Jesus. And in that moment, she was having an absolute experience of the living Jesus impacting her life. I mean, powerful, powerful stories. And if we think of sacrifice in his name, people forsook personal gain to feed the hungry, house the homeless, clothe the naked, and heal the sick. And as one of my favorite quotes, which is much longer than what I'm going to read to you, Billy Graham's daughter wrote a book, Just Give Me Jesus. She wrote these words. 
She says, he is enduringly strong. He is entirely sincere. He is eternally, eternally steadfast. He is immortally gracious. He is imperially powerful. He is impartially merciful. He is the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of the globe. He is God's son. He is the sinner's savior. He is the captive's ransom. He is the breath of life. He is the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He is all good. He is unique. He is unparalleled and unprecedented. He is undisputed and undefiled. He is unsurpassed and he is unshakable. He is the lofty idea of philosophy. He is the highest personality in psychology. He is the supreme subject in literature. He is the unavoidable problem in higher criticism. He is the fundamental doctrine of theology. He is the cornerstone and the capstone and the stumbling stone of all religion. He is the miracle of the ages. My goodness. You can't put my name there. Why are you laughing? Close enough. Can't put your name there. You can't put anybody else's name there. In our hearts, we know. And there's, a, and there's a danger in our world that we live in today to live on the basis of a caricature of Jesus, but rather a real, growing, personal encounter with the Lord Jesus. Jesus is bigger and greater than we can imagine. I remember as a young man just going into churches and just seeing, sorry, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but just to seeing a, a, a skinny, scrawny Jesus on the cross and just thinking, poor guy. That was my caricature. Then I remember watching the life of Brian. My son just asked me, have you ever watched the life of Brian? I was like, yes, I have before I was a Christian, you know, and it's about a guy that was born at the same time of Jesus. And really, they, they, just, they just give you caricatures of Jesus, sometimes, sometimes making fun of, sometimes showing some kind of respect, sometimes just showing a, a, a great teacher. But let me tell you, when you read Job, and he encounters the living God, when you read John, and he says, I saw him, he saw Jesus, and he fell as dead. When you see Daniel, when he falls down, he was, and, and, he, and, and he's trembling and he's scared. And as he feels a hand upon his shoulder and says, you are greatly beloved. When you see Peter saying, get away from me, Lord, because he saw him. But the more he was with him, the more he realized how great he is. Away from me, I am a sinful man. Or when you see Thomas that says, unless I put my hands in his side, I will not believe. And then he turns and he says, my, my Lord and my God. He is inexhaustible. And I really don't understand sometimes when we as Christians, it's almost like we're bored. There's so much more to discover. There's so much more to grow into. There's so much about him. Thomas Watson said, no one has yet discovered the word Jesus ought to have said. None suggested the better word he might have said. I mean, you can't read the Gospels and add any of this stuff. He says, no action of his has ever shocked our moral sense. None has fallen short of the ideal. He is full of surprises, but they are all the surprises of perfection. 
You are never amazed one day by his greatness and the next day by his littleness. You are quite amazed that he is incomparably better than you could have expected. He is tender without being weak, strong without being coarse, lowly without being servile. He has conviction without intolerance, enthusiasm without fanaticism, holiness without Phariseeism, passion without prejudice. This man alone never made a false step, never struck a jarring note. His life alone moved on those high levels where local limitations are transcended and absolute law of moral beauty prevails. It was life at its highest. Nothing beats knowing Jesus personally. Nothing beats. There's nothing comparable. I remember, okay, I'll tell you a little bit of my story, but I remember being in a nightclub at 25 years of age, and in, in, uh, in, it's a nightclub, the cynics is physical, in Calarajada, and I was on cocaine. And I remember looking in the mirror, just completely high on cocaine with a weight, with scales in my pocket, and, and, and just looking in the mirror, and a guy is vomiting in the toilet on heroin. And he says, this feels so good. And I said, I will never be like that. And a voice came back to me. That's what you said about where you are right now. You see, I never thought, I never dreamed I would end up taking cocaine every day for a whole year of my life. My mom came to visit me. And I didn't spend one day with her. The only thing I could tell her was I have a debt in the hamburger place next door to where I work. Could you pay it for me? A complete parasite. Completely narcissistic. Self-entrapped. I mean, self-absorbed and trapped. I remember looking for cocaine on the streets at four in the morning hoping to find some on the street as if people leave it there for you, you know, just kind of like, well, I hope I find somebody or something around here. Just absolutely ridiculous. And then taking five grams of it with me on a plane, which I don't know why, I mean, just think how dumb I was, on a plane to Germany to do my own little rehab and then getting on a plane to the United States to go to a Christian university, not knowing that it was a Christian university. And that day, I mean, that season, I, I, I was already looking for how to party, what to do, and, 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 um, and, and these Christian young people, 19, 18-year-olds at university studying, they received me in their, in their home, they, they, they would pray for me, they would, they would, they lend me a car, they let me, uh, they, they, um, they helped me get into university, and they would take me to youth group, and I remember calling my mom and saying, my mom, uh, and they were friends of, I mean, there was two guys, one a Christian, one a non-Christian, and they were both friends of my family. And I called my mom and I said, Mom, these young people, they're crazy. They read their Bibles. And I remember one day saying, I'm going to make a meal for them because they have been so good to me. So I went to the supermarket, and on the way back from the supermarket, 
there was a sign. There was always there. Don't think it wasn't like God put it. Th- I mean, it was always there. But that sign that day is that it was like an arrow to my heart. And it said, Jesus will save you today. So I went on, made the meal. And a young girl says to me, do you want to come listen to a friend of ours? And I said, sure. It was a tent in North Carolina, like, uh, like a revival tent. There was about 20 people there. And that day, he, he's, he, he was talking about, the, 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 about Jesus and about the battle for my soul. And um, I'm sure my mom had been praying because she had seen my life in a downward spiral. And uh, my friends have been praying. And this guy talks about the battle for my soul. And then he says, if anybody would like to come forward, um, and receive the Lord. And you know, everybody's got their heads down and nobody's supposed to look, but I went, <laughs> everybody does it, you know, it's just like, and, and this guy went forward and then I guess they told him I was there and they said, I know there's somebody else here that's a coward that won't come forward. You know, I'm 25, I'm no coward. So I went up and I prayed with someone that I never met before, never met after. I had been a Catholic at age 19 because I was in the U.S. Army. I was about to go to war. I, I became a Mormon. I just figured I needed some kind of security. And I, But it was so interesting. I'd been a part of two religions. But all of a sudden... I went forward and I prayed with a guy I've never seen before and I've never seen after. And all I prayed was the Lord Jesus would rescue me, would help me. I didn't have a big experience but my mind changed. All of a sudden I realized something was different and I didn't know how it was different, but I knew Jesus had done it. Here I am 25 years later. Well, let me finish. <laughs> Maybe it is, amen. Maybe it isn't. But, but here I am 25 years later. And, 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 and you would think, well, what do you think now 25 years later? Because I was afraid. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't really fit in in my life before. I didn't really understand my new life. I, uh, I, uh, I, I, you know, there was ups, there was downs, there was fanaticism. I called my girlfriend and I said, hey, um, she was in Germany. I said, listen, I've become a Christian. She goes, what does that mean? She flew over to find out what it meant. She read the book of Revelation. She goes, I'm, I, I'm in. But listen, I have, he's the most wonderful person I've ever had the privilege to continually grow with. He is intimately involved. He's never bashed me once when I'm down, when I'm up, when I'm confused. Uh, It's just the intimacy, the forgiveness, the company, the vision that he has for our lives, for my life. I never thought, and you might think, but I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing. 
I mean, it, it, it's the adventure of my life. I have to pinch myself and think, it's amazing what you have done, Lord. Even the fact of Mary and Loretta, I just, I, I can't even, I couldn't even imagine being with one person and, 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 and being with her with a person that loves the Lord Jesus. And, and, and I was in love with somebody else. And, and, and then I went to ask her dad if I could marry. He said no. And I came back and there was Loretta. She prayed to receive the Lord. She asked me if I would marry her. I said, sure, let's do it. And then, <laughs> and, and then we're moving forward. And I'm just like, and I'm thinking, what is happening to my life? But I don't know, I'm, maybe it's a bit chaotic, everything I'm saying. But listen, guys, he has that for you and for me individually. I, I'm amazed. I was a part of two. And people say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm against religion. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I was part of two. And, and, and I'm not saying that there's no Christians in, in Roman Catholicism. What I'm saying is that there's non-Christians in it. The key to being a Christian is to know Jesus personally, to trust him implicitly to experience him vividly. Charles Duke, one of the 12 men who have left footprints on the moon, he was, um, he was, on the, lunar, he was the lunar module pilot for the Apollo 16 mission. He, listen to what he says. He says, after walking on the moon, I was bored. What have you done? After walking on the moon, I was bored. Fame, fortune, a spot in the history books, I had it all. But if you had been a fly on the wall in my home, you would have seen that I wasn't so hot. I was failing miserably as a husband and father. Though I had gone to church all my life, I had all of the God that I needed in that one hour every Sunday morning. Even the moon had not been a spiritual experience. I wasn't looking for God. I only knew Jesus the way you would know the U.S. president, in name only. My business succeeded, and the money rolled in. But I was bored again. But my wife was changed. Depression lifted and demonstrated a new living faith. She turned to God. I began to ask, who was Jesus? In all my life, I had said the words, son of God, but never trusted him. Then I followed and trusted him. Listen, it cost the government 400 million for me to walk on the moon for three days and it's over. But to walk with Jesus is free and lasts forever. So we're at Jesus Church. That's what we want to do. We want to grow. The Old Testament talks about him. The, the, the uh, prophesies him, uh, gives us pictures of him. The Gospels, he's present. In the Acts, he's proclaimed. In the Epistles, he's explained. In the Revelation, he is coming. He is coming. But also, because, of course, um, Many people have claimed Jesus and made caricatures of him. Therefore, we are also a church given to the word of God. 
Jesus believed in, in, uh, in the nourishing word of God. He said this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So in the same way that we need nourishment in our bodies and we get a balanced diet in order to exist, we need the Word of God. We believe with all our hearts that we need the Word of God to nurture our spirits. I think people are starving. I think both Christian and non-Christians are starving. And there's a sense of looking in everything and everywhere except the one thing that God has given us. Paul told Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and will turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to fables. So we don't want our imaginations about Jesus we don't want our feelings about Jesus or our ideas about Jesus. We believe that God has given revelation of who Jesus is. Right? In the Gospels. And so we're committed to preaching, to teaching, to reading, to discussing, to applying God's Word to our lives from the oldest to the youngest. And everything we do in some way it's connected back to that because we believe that there's revelation to illuminate our hearts of who he is. I mean, last week we looked, everybody was just flabbergasted by Jesus dealing with the Pharisees, condemning that woman. And the very next words he said, I am the light of the world. And, and uh, C.S. Lewis says, I don't believe in the sun because I can see it, but I believe in the sun because by it I can see everything else. And it's amazing how the Word of God comforts us. Who has not read Psalm 23 and been comforted? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It educates. It was King David that said, I have more knowledge than all my teachers because you yourself teach me. And this Friday we have devotions. And it was interesting. We talked about it. It was a very controversial passage. It was... Uh, it was... How did it go? It was, God is the head of Jesus, Jesus is the head of man, and man is the head of woman. And automatically our hearts are going, Bruh. what do you mean, man, the head of woman? You know, and we were, we were looking at the passages and how often we, we bring into the Bible our experiences of the ugliness that we've seen of chauvinism and we were talking about how it's the Bible that actually brought liberty and exalted woman. At the end of the day, you have to put this man as head of woman in the light of Ephesians chapter 5 where it says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So what you have is responsibility and, and a sacrifice. 
But we were looking at how easily it is sometimes to, when we look at the Bible, to just bring our prejudices into it. But as you go in and you discover the Bible for what it is, you will see the beauty of it all. This book, this uh, the Gideon's Bible says, has the power not only to inform you, but to reform and transform lives. Through its influence, countless people have been given a new strength, an unerring purpose, and a sure hope in life. To the dying, it has brought peace and assurance of eternal life. It has brought blessing to millions in every land and age. And so we are Jesus Church. We are a Bible church. And we are our goal. Really easy to say. A loving church. Jesus said this. By the way that you love one another, people will know that you're my disciples. Right? Love one another as I have loved you. We want to see our lives in our midst and culture, a culture of love, continually growing and developing where everyone and anyone who comes through the doors and makes this their home is both a receiver, and this is very important, that we're both receivers of love and givers of love. And, and, and I put an emphasis on both because sometimes there is the things like, what are you doing for me and me only? No, no, it's a mutual thing. It's a mutual love for one another. The warmth, the valuing people, not for what they have, or they don't have, but for who they are. Getting to know people genuinely. Realizing that we're all growing. Praying for each other. Serving one another. Forgiving. Bearing with one another. Committed to one another. Not oversensitive, considerate, not using people as a means to an end. A loving church. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I'm just kind of putting that out there. I, I believe this is a very loving church. When the pandemic happened, we were feeding 120 families a week. And there were people um, every, every week, and we had a room, we would do the shopping, or, or, and, and, uh, and, and, and there, there would be people uh, schedule making, and, and it was amazing to be able to, I mean, what a great privilege to, to have a commission that is to love people. I think when I said growing together, realizing that with our kids, that it is challenging and sometimes we can sort of judge each other, but, but realize, no, no, we, are, we help each other. How can we assist with the youth? We were having a challenging time here. We're like, man, we, we need some continuity. We need some youth. And then just like, we got to do something with the kids. And next thing you know, there's the youth group, but you know, just the, 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 out of love, out of love for one another. And then finally, 
it's not finally, but it, I am going to leave it finally with the, the last one I'm going to say. Um, this one. Um, and then we want to, Jesus Church, Bible Church that tells us about Jesus, a loving church where we love each other, and fourthly, a serving church where we serve one another in love. You know, they say that there's only one cell in our bodies that lives for itself. One cell. Or one type of cell. Cancer. Every other part of the body lives for other parts. I mean, I love my body. Not for what I see in the mirror, but how wonderfully and, and, and how wonderfully it works. My body needs energy. Tells my brain, hey, something's up here. I go to the fridge. My hands open the fridge. I begin to grab the food that will be good for me. And I prepare things that like me. I don't prepare things that I don't like, you know. And, and then you, 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 you cut it and no one can take care of us like we take care of ourselves. You know, you just cut the steak and, oh, so good. And, you know, you cook and, and everything's so delicate. If you have something in your eye, think about it. Lord, it's like, I'll take care of it. No, 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 no. Let, let me see. And I get in the mirror and, I, and, and we're so tender with ourselves. But it's a body, the, the whole part, every part, the feet, the liver, the heart, the brain, the arms, the fingers, every single part lives for another part of the body. Exactly. And listen, I want to be that kind of church. Do you realize how important you are. Do you realize it? That you have a part to play in the church of Jesus. You have, it says, as each one has received the gift, serve one another with that gift. And we've talked about it very much, I mean, quite a bit, that many times in churches, the emphasis is uh, tithing, and it always, it, it, not always, that's, that's wrong, uh, it tends to revolve around money. But imagine if the people, part of the church, part of the church of Jesus would take a tenth of their ability that God has given them for the kingdom. A tenth of their ability, their gift, and saying, you know what, I want to use this. God has gifted me. God has gifted me with these abilities because you didn't create those abilities. God gave you those abilities. The brain you have, he gave you. The musical skills you have, he gave you. The budgeting, the whatever it is, what, whatever you're able to do, the teaching, the take um, 
um, um, oh my goodness, he didn't give me a good brain, or at least it's a fallen brain. <laughs> Petrina. Petrina shows up with her daughter to youth, and she just comes in and she just brings brownies for the kids. Jonathan said, man, they're so good. She should go to a baking competition. But, you know, she takes the gift she has. And she says, how can I use it? Not for us, but how can I use it for the youth? Chris says, I, I, I want to organize a hike. You know, he can go on his own, but he's like, how can we do something together? Uh, Dusty said, can, can we clean the church? And, and it's like, hey, let's pull a, a group of people. How can we take the gifts that we have and be faithful together in the community that we're in? And my dream, and I close with this, my dream is to have people they don't imagine Jesus, but people that know him deeply through the word of God that understand him clearly, that are loving, that they are pillars of love because they have received so much love from God and that and that they are pillars, they, they, they communicate. Sometimes we can say the same thing, but without love, but that they communicate this amazing Jesus, this amazing word with amazing love and that have servant attitudes. Listen, not just here when we're here on a Sunday morning, but imagine the impact. Imagine the impact. Where do you guys live? In Deya or Bethlehem, because there's another couple there in Deya. You're in Bethlehem, the other side of the island. I mean, there's nobody there. <laughs> A couple people. <laughs> but you are light there. You know, you think of um, Anouk working in real estate. And she comes here to the church. But imagine Jesus, word, love, service. And she, as she meets people, you know, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world and he's the sun. But listen, we reflect the light, we're the moon. Can you imagine all of us strengthening in each other here, but then we go into our communities and tell people of this, this amazing God who loves. This amazing God who loves. So I hope that helps us. I mean, I have much more but we're gonna leave it there. But I hope it helps us to uh, have a sense as, as new people are here of what we are as a church, where we are going, and let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for um, just the, the, how personally we can know you how great you are and how we can keep growing in you forever. We will never be bored. And Father, anybody that does not know you here today, may they realize, Lord, that you love them beyond anything they could ever dream or imagine. I pray that any prejudice or pride or anything would just go away, but that they would allow their hearts to be melted by your love. 
that you, like you so well, so, so do, that you would invade hearts kindly, persistently, powerfully. And like we've been looking, Lord, through the gospel, the Nicodemuses, whom you reveal your love to, the woman at the well, who you reveal just the thirst of her soul to, and that you are the living water. We think of the man lame, unable to walk, and you heal him. And the man is able to, after 38 years, able to have energy and how you, when we in our own hearts realize there's no one to help me, like he said, that you are the one that can help. Father, help us to keep growing. And for anyone here, Lord, that we pray that you would reveal yourself in, a, in, in your wonderful way, Lord. May today just even be the beginning of you are. And that a beautiful process would begin of a discovering of you, Lord. That our hearts, their hearts will be overwhelmed just as ours have been. Have your way with us, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.